Welcome down to this week's episode of Petty Talks Golf. We're all ramping up to Christmas. I'm ramping up the episodes, ramping up the production. So after today's episode, on Monday the 19th of December, that'll date this episode, sorry folks, but uh, there will be daily, daily wrapped 2022 episodes with favourites from the podcast, people you've requested to get on, people who are on the wrapped 2022 last year. Some new folks, new people on the block. So I hope you will all look forward to that. This podcast wouldn't be anything, though, if it wasn't powered by four Golf Custom. They fit people up from up and down the country, from all around the world, including this lad from West Waterford. Hey, I'm Seamus Power on the PGA Tour. If you're looking for the best golf club reviews out there on YouTube, just check out the guys at 4Golf Custom. They've custom fit my golf clubs for years, and they're the best in the business. That there is, of course, Seamus Power of the PGA Tour, multiple PGA Tour winner, and Derek has been part of the custom fitting world for a couple of decades, and Dave there beside him, and Jaylee's sister, and his mom, and Don, and they're all involved, it's a family occasion at Fort Golf Customs, so thanks to them all for their support, and they help get better guests on the show, and you folks, by liking and sharing in your WhatsApp groups, and across Facebook, and sharing across social media, and just telling a friend it's helping grow the show as well. You grow the show, we get people like Seamus on as well. And Seamus, we're going to have a chat real soon, aren't we? All right, this week's episode, you press play on to learn a bit more about Pardy McGrath. I know Pardy McGrath since I was, Jesus, 12 years of age. So that puts an age on me 23 years, I know him. He owns PM Golf Store, roll it there, Colette. McGrath, are you ready to tee it up? We are indeed. How long do we know each other, Father? Oh, it's gone back a while now. So I was in school with your younger brother, yeah. and yeah. you're like that. You're like that mm. senior in Fannin's College, whipping on us, us lads younger than you. But I didn't get to know you really till you had to shop first. I think. Yeah, probably. When, when 2000, did, you did you open? 2004, March 2004. Yeah, putting an age on both of us now. Um, but before we get on to the shop. What's your earliest memory of golf, Mr. McGrath? Um, I suppose my, my first memories of golf or my more favourite memories of golf was when I was, uh, there was an old driving range at the back of Drumoland, at the back of the inn at Drumoland. It was just a field on a slope and I used to be trying to fade and draw the ball, a bit like Bubba Watson. I spent hours and hours up there um, before I started caddying in Drumoland and I suppose when I started caddying then it was a balance between hitting balls and caddying but the one thing I I suppose I was never a natural talent I was more of a Bubba Watson I like shaping the shots and drawing at 30 yards and fading at 30 yards but I I learned I suppose about the swing myself I used to get uh, videos from my parents for Christmas uh, Gary Player and different things and you learn bits and pieces from those, but self-taught, never had a lesson until I was off four. Um, so just to be honest, I, I enjoyed the game and it was gas. Like there was friends of mine playing off two when I was off 15. And when I got to plus three, they were still off two. So 
Um, yeah, just I don't you know. It's it's one sport I've always loved and never fell out of love with it. I suppose so that's probably what's kept me in the game and kept me doing what I do. No, fantastic. And what was the compelling event to go all in on golf? Was it was it who was the who was the um, it was one of the priests in Planets College was like the career guidance counselor when I was there. <laughs> Did he sit you down and go, yeah, Parik, uh, definitely golf is the the, the the line you should take in life or was it teaching or what were you to, what were you told versus then what was the compelling event to nobody go nobody nobody advised me to take uh, golf as a career i was uh like the reality was at 15 years of age i was at 15 um i shot my first round under par off playing off 12 and it was even said to me oh don't bother putting in that card you get cut too much <laughs> <laughs> but i put it in anyhow i was delighted with myself um, but uh, it was actually after reading a book, Nick Fowler, he was uh, advising, don't worry about your score, just focus on each shot. And I was doing that for a few weeks and all of a sudden I shot one under. So I kind of st- stuck with that mentality for a number of years, which I have to say, it does work um, when you stay out of your own way mentally. Um, yeah, so nobody ever advised me to get into it. I was on a golf trip in 2003 in Myrtle Beach with friends of mine we used to go there quite regularly and I was in the middle of a, a golf superstore must have been maybe 30 40,000 square foot of a golf shop it was massive to say the least and I was just standing inside that and I said Jesus in a stone if there's something onto this but obviously not the same scale there surely is an opening so my naivety started looking into it and uh Met with a few people, everyone talked me out of it and um, spoke to a gentleman who had a golf shop in Innes Town and completely told me I was crazy. Uh, but sure, like I said, naivety, you just plow on and you listen to no one. And you find the one thing you do, I find, I suppose, it's a bit like my golf, <laughs> bad not as a swing might have been back in the day. I met at work and I found a way to get down to plus three. And um, so it's the same with the business, really. I mean, Looking back, it was crazy. Shouldn't have worked, but 18 years later, we're still here. And we w- I have to say we have one of the best stocked golf shops in the country. Um, we have over 6,000 square foot and over a million of stock in it. So it's pretty impressive. I don't know when you were here last, but I mean, I've doubled my stock in the last year and a half. So it's, uh, I have to say it is. No, it I, was is in, I was in, I like to go home and I always like to support, you know, Local yeah. PGA Pro Shop or your good self, not, yeah, yeah. not a high street store, whatever. I try not to buy anything online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or off eBay, unless it's, uh, you know, old Mizuno blades from the 70s. I'm actually looking for a set of them. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I was in, I got Christopher's first set of got first pair of golf shoes there this year. Brilliant. On the shop. So back in, back in June. So I was in. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. We um, appreciate it. Uh, no bother, uh, and we'll be popped in later on with him tomorrow. I'd say because he's he's nearly gone out of them. Um, two thousand and three, were you PJ Pro then, or was that? No, I so I I opened the shop as an amateur. Um, my business partner was a PJ Pro, Martin Ward. Um, and Martin was kind of it actually suited us because Martin would play in pro events and I would play in amateur events, so they didn't really clash. So by me turning pro, it meant we'd be in the same events, so it wouldn't be ideal. But then in 2008, I decided there was a lot of people requesting lessons and different things. And 
I suppose for the better of the business. Um, I decided it would be better for the business for me to be a pro also. Um, Martin warned me when you turn pro, you play way less golf, which unfortunately is true. I learned that the hard way. You have a lot less um, golf as an amateur. You have scratch cups, you have South of Ireland, you have championships, you have weekly golf. As a pro, you have none of that. Um, so that's, I suppose that's the hard thing, I think, as a, as a pro. It's very hard to get a card in your pocket unless you're on the Irish circuit or you, you know you make an effort. Uh, which is something you miss when you're not, you know, with the business being so busy, it's hard for me to get to events. So I really miss having a card in the pocket because you were playing golf, but you're not really putting yourself under pressure, you know, so you do miss that element of it. Um, but no, I have to say I, I made the decision um, being a member of the PGA, it's kind of like being a member of a, of a large family, really, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, everyone gets on well with each other. And I think we all respect each other and, I learned a lot about the golf swing and um, just in fact, you're never not learning. You're constantly learning on a daily basis, but you get to know the golf swing inside out and it definitely has helped my own loopy golf swing. Um, I'd be still hitting it as far as I used to, but a, bit, a lot more controlled um, and it's gas. Like I would have rated my short game at three out of 10, two years ago, whereas now I've brought it up to an eight or nine out of 10 because I've changed my angle of attack from using the GC quad and, you know, learning about the ball flight and my path and stuff. And I realized how steep I actually was with my short game since I shot it out and put a bit of work on it. It's actually amazing. So again, you're constantly learning. I mean, you think you know it all, but you certainly don't, you know, and I think that's the important thing to realize you don't know it all. And um, but the GC quads and trackmans and all these really kind of, teach you a lot about what's actually happening versus what you think is happening, you know? Oh, absolutely. And like a lot of people say, oh, you're all taking videos for Instagram or whatever. I'm not. I, yeah. I, I was on the range this morning and I have a 15 minute video, <laughs> uh, but I go back and I just check, am I doing what I think I'm doing? Yeah. I'd, I'd be visual that way. And but yeah, it's funny screen, when you I actually look at your what it is when, when you look you, at your own swing. When you when you record yourself and look at your own swing, it is completely different to what you actually are feeling, you know. But it's like like I I, I said one winter I practice hard from October to January. I really did a lot of hours in the range, and what I got out of it was a steep angle of attack, uh, which I didn't realize because the the driving range mats I was getting away with it, and I got uh, golfer's elbow. <laughs> you know, from from practicing on the mats hard for three months. So again, it's great to see the ball fight, but you definitely have to have the counteraction with the turf as well, because um, you can become very steep unknown to you, you know. Um, I'd, I'd agree, I'd agree. If you're using a, a trackman device or, you know, one of those devices, at least you can see your angle of attack if you're using driving range mats. But it's a bit like someone says to me, I'm going to get a net, hit balls into net at home. I think they're great to warm up before you head to the golf course, but I think they're a disaster in relation to uh, working on your swing because people come to me for lessons, they say, oh, I have a net at home in practice, and I'm saying, please don't. I need you to see the ball flight. You know, this thing of banging a ball into net feels wonderful, but you've got to see that ball, ball flight. You've got to know the difference between what we're actually trying to achieve and what you're actually doing, you know. So I, I, whether you use... Fair enough, if you're hitting into a net, if you have a device that's showing you the ball fight, but you've got to see the ball fight. You know, you have to have that um, feedback. 
coming back to the shop and 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 GC quads and trackmans, you were the first, I think one of the first in Ireland to put a room in the back of the shop. Was that yeah, for yourself? So we, was that for lessons? No, was it for no, no, no. That was I, I realized very early um that you know what, in order to do a proper fitting, like some shops were saying it'll never take off and it's X when I just saw from the start, you need to see both, like you need to see data. You cannot sell somebody a correct golf club unless you have their the, the the ball data. You know, at the end of the day, you need you can see a guy swinging fast, but is he steep? Is he shallow? You know, it, it determines everything. Um, and the one thing I've learned in the last seven or eight years, and I've been screaming at um, the hardware brands, and they're finally beginning to, to do it. Golf clubs had gone too light. Drivers had gone too light. This thing of light, the lighter we go, the faster is absolute. I won't say the word, but it's crap. Baloney, <laughs> my mother baloney. would say. <laughs> because I've had lady golfers in here who cannot get a follow through because the drivers. Now, I didn't realize at the time going back all those years ago, it was because the drivers were too light. But there's this thing called a tempo trainer that you often see people warming up with. I bring a lady girlfriend into the room and she can create lovely speed with the tempo trainer. And then you hand her this lightweight driver, light shaft, light head. She, she hits the ball, the swing stops. Was, whereas the most important part, part of the golf swing is the follow through. You know, you look at everyone talks about. Tony Finu and John Ram and how compact their backswing is, but they have a serious follow through. So they're getting acceleration. So that's where a lot of the power comes from. Everyone worries about the length of the backswing. You know, the follow through is what's crucial, you know, and that's what I've learned. Like one particular story, a member came to me, a lady golfer in a local golf club. I realized this driver was too light for her. I went out and got our men's head, the heaviest head at the time, which happened to be a ping driver got a 40 gram shaft into it, got her to accelerate and got her 62 yards more. She won the captain's ladies, captain's prize and president's prize the same year just by getting her to accelerate through the ball. But it wouldn't have happened with a ladies driver because the drivers had gone so light, you know, and especially you look at um, like I would use an 84 gram shaft or a 79 gram shaft at times. It doesn't make sense that you put an 84 gram shaft into the same way to head as you put a 40 gram shaft. You know, I mean, you've got to know like this year now, Pings, Delt, Callaway there's, and Cobra, there's notably more weight in the head. So now when I put those heads into a heavy shaft, I actually am more aware of where the head is. And I found my fade is more controlled. My draw is more controlled. I have a lot more control from my ball flight. So the one thing I focus on when people come into me for fitting nowadays is I really focus on the balance of the club. Do, does this golfer need more weight in the head? And I've actually seen guys who hit a 15-yard slice with their irons hitting a one-yard draw by me adding weight to the head. Because now for the first time, they can actually feel weight in the golf in the head. You know, like a guy came into me yesterday with a left-handed set of G ping G15 irons, which are light in the head and a light graphite shaft. I said nothing to him. I handed him a stealth iron with a lightweight steel shaft and he had 24 yards longer in the bag. Now I know the lofts are slightly stronger, but he went from hit, having no control over his ball flight to hitting everything pretty much straight because for the first time he could actually feel the weight of the golf club. 
So the one thing I'd and say with that, and with that, not just mm. weight of the golf club, but like know where the face is to square it up and impact. Like but, yeah, you think about it, massive. this this head is going all the way around your body, and you're trying to get back to impact square. So you've got to know where the head is. You know, you've got to be able to feel. It's a bit like if I play tennis, I like a heavy tennis racket. If I play snooker, I like a heavier cue. But I like the heavy cue, the weight on on the end that I'm holding, not on the tip end because I can get more action and stuff and it's more effortless. So I think it's no matter what you're doing, whether it's hurling or tennis or snooker, it's important that you, you know, the only point of contact you have with your hands is the actual golf club. So you've got to be aware of where that is as you swing around your body. And especially if you're swinging it with high speeds, you need to be more aware, you know, of where the club is. So that's the one thing I'm trying to get across to the golf brands and I've been doing it. And for the first time, like, one of the reps said to me maybe four or five years ago, he says, you're actually, I've spoken to the production team and he says, you're actually onto something. Because I've been at them, not just to, like, give me a driver head, give me a driver head with a pack of weights that I can alter the weight of the head to match the shaft that the head has gone into, you know, which I'm sure is what the tour guys are doing for the tour pros all these years, but they're not doing for the average golfer. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely on a different, uh, <laughs> different manufacturing line to the rest of us yeah um, well like the Cobra Epa said to me you now in the last couple of weeks that they're actually they're coming out with a pack a weight pack for next year so we'll be able to fit with we can change the weight of the heads which is great it's like, it was like which, it was like R7 was the first one out that you could actually yeah. get I remember that packs of weights for uh, back in the yeah. day but but not since come here to me the shop in 03 or, or 08 when it was um, all in in 08 perhaps to now right yeah. Can you describe maybe the transition the shop has gone through or the different fashions? You know me and my fashion, right? Mr. Stromberg catalogue, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, through to, I suppose, people's expectations or people's requests from 08 to, to now. Um, so I suppose the, the big thing is brands vary. Like Under Armour is very much probably one of our leading brands at the moment. But yet you go back six years ago, we barely knew about them. I mean, they were there in other sports, but they were only starting to grow in golf. Whereas now they're actually one of the leading brands. Adidas, like Nike was my one of my top brands eight years ago. I haven't had Nike in the shop in six years and nobody looks for it. So it's gone from one of the top brands to nobody even looking for it. But it's the same, you know, I have to say, like, when I opened the shop first, like, Ping might have been the leading brand for a couple of years. Then I might have gone to Callaway. Then I might have gone to TaylorMade. Whereas now I find in the last four years in particular, all the brands pr- seem to be pretty much on par. There's a very little gap between the brands. So it's a case of... um getting the right shaft and the, and the right loft. Um, there are some heads that are slightly heavier than others. So obviously if I, I see the beauty is when you go to a golf pro that's qualified, you're not just cost of winning. You can also give a lesson. So when someone walks into my room for a fitting, sometimes I actually don't do that fitting. I turn that session into a lesson because I realize it doesn't matter what driver I give this guy, he's going to hit a 30 yard slice. So I work with him and sometimes within 20 minutes, he has rectified his slice and then we can do the fit. And other times we just leave it as a lesson, let him go away and come back for the fitting at a later date. So the one thing I want to do when people come to me is I want to make them a better golfer and I don't want to skip 
stages to do that. I want to do it in the right way. And I think people appreciate that. And what, what comes from that really is a lot of repeat business, you know. Um, like I won't sell a driver just because we have it in stock unless it suits, you know. Guys got from coming to me for a second and driver, oh, that one's perfect 180. And I'll chat to him a bit and I'm like, I'm not selling you that driver. I'll take their name and when something comes in that suits them, I'll phone them and say, listen, I have something here that's going to suit you. Because I'm not going to sell a beginner golf for an 80 gram extra stiff or tour stiff shaft with an eight degree just because they think the price is right. You know, because that isn't going to make them a better player. You know, um, but yeah, I've, I've definitely seen, I suppose, two tell like when I look at the business, I've changed the model of the business three or four times because I had no choice. Like we had a recession it was a big struggle. Um, we got through that, which was very difficult. Like that, I had to cut all my overheads. Then my building came up for sale. I had the chance to buy that. My business partner ended up leaving. So I've had a, probably three tough periods. Uh, this year actually was probably one of my toughest periods, would you believe? Because last year we were closed for four months. We did little or no turnover for those four months. And then for the eight months, I had my busiest year ever. So when you look at that and you're going into the following year, you're like, oh my God, I need to get my hands in stock as much as possible. I plowed all my money into stock. And this year was just a normal year then, which no one could have predicted. But I was at, um, um, I was at a telemed event there last Wednesday and speaking to all the other pros, we all got cut out. We all expected this year to be a bumper year but unfortunately it was just another normal year um i just think also there's so much uncertainty out there people are a bit less are more conscious about spending them their money you know and people are getting hit like my own electricity bill here in the shop has tripled and the rate has tripled so i mean my own overheads are are very much up but um my accountancy background i suppose before i get into retail has really helped keep the business alive and knowing Knowing, first of all, that you need to make a margin and there's a bottom line. And unfortunately, you, sometimes you have to let go of 5% of golfers that you just can't make money out of, you know, because you try to please everyone. But like if, if the same person coming into you all the time, you just can't make money out of them. There's no point in you dealing with them. Like at the end of the day, it's a business. I'm not in it to make friends. I, I get on with everyone, but I have to put the business number first because I have a family to feed. So... Uh, you know, they definitely realizing you to make a margin and, and getting your overheads down to as minimum as possible. They're the kind of things that keeps the business going, you know, um, and also training the staff and making sure everyone's on the same wavelength as yourself if you're not here. But um, but like that, brands vary so much year to year, like Under Armour is number one now, but who's to say in three years time it won't be someone else, you know, just things change. It's a bit like the live tour three years ago. There was nothing about it. And all of a sudden it's all over the media, you know? So, and I think, you know what? Things change and things have to change. You know, if, if everything stayed the same, life would be awful boring. So I think change isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you have to be able to evolve with it. Um, and the one thing I, I try to do in the shop, like every year I try to do, like I put in a new tilt system last year, the year before I put in new lighting, new heaters, I'm constantly trying to put a few quid back into the, the building, not just the stock and, and make it bright and presentable and, you know, um, have everything clearly priced. And obviously that it's an easier experience for the customer and they come in like there's nothing worse than going into a grocery store and there's four items there and you have no clue what price they are. You know, it's important to show the pricing, 
how much you are, if there's a discount that's clearly marked, all of these things to make the experience for the shopper um, as, as best as possible, you know. And like there was a time we decided what stuff sell that, sells at. The rep would say the retail is 300 quid. That's no longer the case. We've got to go online and look at what our competitors are doing. And we've, we've got to do that on a daily basis because you have to compete with the modern line. The modern world, we people coming into our shop, scanning with their phones, scanning our products to see what they are online compared to what we're selling them at. So the model has changed quite a lot. So for us to compete with online, it's all about we have to be buying at the right prices. And that's basically buying in bulk. So, so that's kind of the model we have. But um, that's what we have to do to compete with the bigger guys, you know. I was going to say, like, in terms of where the shop is, like, growing up in Clare, there was only one place to go, and that was to yourselves. You know what I mean? So, but nowadays, like you said, someone will go in, they'll scan it, they'll check yeah. it online because you can have it the next day, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. So, how are you differentiating your store from? Well, what, what we do is like, first of all, we price match, but my number one thing is customer service, customer care. I mean, I firmly believe if you look after people and you, you like if someone comes to me and says it's 20 quid cheaper as for, I'll always match. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll always match um, price match as much as we can. Now, if it's a price match where I can't make money, if it's a ridiculous price or somebody got a birthday present of a self driver and don't want it and sell it online at 400 quid and I'm buying it in, dearer than that then there's not a whole lot i can do whereas if it's another retail store it's very rarely we can't compete but it's a bit like i said about the custom fitting if you get and like you don't always get it right because i suppose the downside to having an indoor simulator is guys try and hit it as hard as you can into a screen whereas then they go to golf courts where the fair is really tight they're, they're minding this they're, <laughs> they're steering it so if you fit somebody for a tour stiff shaft it's meant to be swung at, we say, 100, 110 miles an hour. Whereas if they're on a golf course trying to steer it at 85 or 90 miles an hour, they might find the ball fights lower or too low in spin. But that's because they were in the net trying to impress you, whack it. So you're always trying to remind guys, just hit your normal swing, you know. And even when you get to the driving range, because it's such an open space, I don't think that changes. Fellas try to bomb it, you know. So... You know, and I've learned that myself. I can't hit a, a smooth swing with my own driver. I have a set at six degrees. It's an extra stiff 80 gram shaft. It's meant to be hit at my 124 mile an hour club speed. It's not meant to be hit at 112 or 114. So I've, I've begun to learn. And the funny thing is, when I actually try to do hit a smooth one, that's when I end up hitting it further. <laughs> it's always the same, isn't it? It's uh, always the same. Always the same. It's that se the second serve golfer in you. That's me. I'm a second serve golfer. So the second is always smoother and ping right down the middle. Come here to me. Uh, 04, 08 to now, the shop has always been a mainstay. Um, we keep up with each other via DM because I move around a bit. Um, yeah. So you've been, there's been marriage, there's been kids. How has that, how have you, I suppose, managed your time? The business has been to three iterations, like you said there. Yeah, uh, and you've had family and kids and experience outside of it. How how have you, well, I suppose have I, you managed I, it all? Yeah, I, do you know what? I, I actually ask myself this on a daily basis, but I I'll be honest, and I know competitors of mine would be different. I would have been morning and a night in the business. I've actually got myself down on the road for four day a week, 
Um, and that's now we had a an unusual start to parenthood. Our first child had 19 life saving operations. So that was a wake up call. That made me realize what it was about. 19. Jeez. Mm. Yeah. That was over a two or three year period, wasn't it? No, that was over a three month period. She was seven. She was seven months in intensive care. Um, so she obviously, and I have two two beautiful girls, Emily and Isabel. Um, but you learn a lot. You know, at your seven months in ICU in a children's hospital, you learn a lot. And it ain't about working morning and night. It's, you know, I see videos online. The first four years of their life is is the most important. So I'm trying to be there as much as I can. Now, my golf has taken a bit of a backseat because of it, but I still get one game a week or like last week was a freak week. I got three games, but like I can't remember. It's been years since I've had three games in a row. So I miss like playing the golf as much and stuff, but I, I know I will get back to it. And it's not like I don't play anything like in the what I do in the summer months is like I go home straight after work. I, I get the kids spend time with them the hour or whatever before they're going to bed get them into bed and about eight o'clock I'll fly up and play nine holes and get home for 10 or 10 30. So that's kind of my summer golf really. And then if I get an odd game here and there, like they're in crash Tuesday to Friday. So I do try to get the odd um, half day if I can, like I'm hoping to get it today, but again, I could go out to the shops busy and I mightn't get to go. So, you know, it is what it is, but I suppose the bottom thing I've, I've learned, like I no longer work for money. I definitely would have been a person who would have worked for money until we had kids. And you know what you, I didn't have kids earlier because they always said I couldn't financially afford it, but you know yourself, you'll always find a way you work a bit harder. But the one thing I'm trying to do better is be there for them as much as I can and enjoy. And again, I saw a video there recently from a billionaire and it was a very, very, you know what it really struck home with me. When you go to the beach with your family, you're at the beach with your family. Don't be thinking you should be in work. So it's a bit like I go to golf tournament, you know, you, as soon as you hit your first bad shot, you're like, I shouldn't be here. That too much to work, you know? So I've learned when I'm away, I'm away. When I'm here, I'm here. Now the phone doesn't stop. And I, I could be sitting by a pool and my holidays abroad with the kids or whatever. And the phone's hopping about queries about drivers or whatever. I'll always get back to people because that doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel like work because I enjoy, um, I suppose what's harder is the tire kicker who sends you 20 messages and then at the end of it says, oh, it is a bit out of my reach, you know, which he knew the price from the world goal. Like, that's the hard bit. But when it doesn't feel like work and you enjoy what you're doing, you know, but I think it's all about getting the balance right. And I definitely, I suppose I'm, I'm lucky that my daughter is here, but I'm, I'm actually luckier to have seen what I saw and come out the other end and realize what life is actually about. And it certainly isn't about just working every day at God's sent for money because before you, none of us know how long we're here. And you always say, oh, I'll do it when I'm retired. You won't. If you don't do it now, you won't do it when you're retired. Um, anyone I know that's retired plays a bit of golf, they don't travel. They, they always say, oh, you'll travel when you're retired. You don't. If you don't do it now, you won't do it. So I think, I think we all have to, in fact, I think everyone should spend the weekend in a kid's hospital just to see how lucky we actually are. Um, and realize that it's not about money and it's about enjoying life while you're here and definitely golf. Like I've never, ever struggled with mental health touch wood in my life. And I actually put that down to golf because when I do have bad days, I'll say to my wife, um, I'm going to go for nine holes and 
after nine I was holes. Going say, I was going to you're, say, you're like, a new, you're a new person, you know. That's what I. That's what I. I've lucky enough um, that we live over the wall from a golf course here, and yeah. uh, I can play four holes, and I'm closer to my house than the clubhouse. Yeah. I can play seven or nine, and yeah. even there this morning, it's the first time in five weeks. Uh, I've been out and hit balls, not because I didn't want to play, but because I kind of. I got into work mode and I was like, I didn't really yeah. get up from the desk and, and whatever. And I was out there this morning and I hit 40 balls for like 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I was like, I haven't even thought about work, thought about what has to be paid, which actually got a credit note for it this morning. So it never had to be paid in the first place. Um, yeah. You know, all these trivial small things that yeah. you'd be losing a bit of sleep over. I was like, I haven't thought about one of those things. Not that it would be. A lot going on in my head at the best of times. Yeah. So, like for for you, um, being mm. an entrepreneur, being managing your own shop, golf shop, the, one of the biggest shops in the country, right? Staff, two kids, or how? What do you think about that nine holes, or how important is it that you get that kind of me timer or those? Few do you know what I I, I, I like yourself? I I I think it's crucial. It's a bit like the gym. I I've done like I was always in the gym three to five times a week, right? I go early in the mornings and it was my fix and I just feel so good after it. And I got into help with a friend of mine who was a fitness instructor. So we'd always feed off each other and I loved it. And it's only since I've had the kids, I've let that kind of go, but I'm, I'm just recently in the last few weeks back at it again, but just time to yourself. Like, I don't care if you're a mother of three children, you, I think parents have to, you know, be able to there's no point the two of you sitting in a house and just two kids in bed asleep you know what i mean i think it on those times one of you has to get out whether it's walk in the fresh air or go for nine holes or whatever and if you alternate that three nights a week all of a sudden there's three nights you've had your two hours to yourself you know and that's invaluable and i think it's crucial for your children's health your wife's health your relationship's health because you, it's a bit like if you're in a prison cell and you're not used to being confined, you're, you're going to go off the rails very quickly. Whereas if you can get out for a walk and fresh air or you know you can leave, even mentally, you know, it, it's, it's, it's important to know that you can escape. Um, I was an accountant years back and the reason I left accountancy wasn't I loved um, dealing with figures. And I suppose that's one thing the attraction to retail is I'm still dealing with figures. Um, probably in a more fun element, but I was stuck in an office environment with a computer for eight hours, you know, nonstop. I couldn't handle that. You know, I like to be out meeting people out and about. And I suppose it's just a bonus. I happen to be involved in an industry that I love. And I mean, what what gives me a kick more so than winning a tournament or anything is getting the text message from someone, you know, positive feedback after a lesson or someone won a captain's prize. You open up the newspaper and you look at the, the five golf courses results and all five people in first place were into for less than the previous two weeks. That's the kind of kick you get, you know, um, from helping people out. Um, and that's what I get from doing what I do. So I, I think escaping the norm is crucial. You've got to find a way to be go to the gym, go for nine holes, go to a driving range. You're a fool if you don't make the, that time for yourself. And that's all I say to people. And it doesn't surprise me people struggle with mental health if you're not doing that. I think you have to do that. No, I agree. And I think COVID taught people taught people a lot about, you know, it's the small things. It's it's uh, going to like when the kids are in childcare or wherever, they're reminded by the grandparents that, you know what, wifey or hubby, we'll go, we'll get lunch together. 
because we never yeah. do that. You know, but we haven't we, done that since my, like five years ago, you know. So myself, my wife have set up a new um, business upstairs above my shop. We've set up a kid's shoe shop. Now, one of the reasons I, I was pushing to set up a business, I've been renting that unit for years and just nobody was doing anything great with it. But I actually did it for my like I wanted to do it for my wife because a mother just minding kids, you can see her independence slipping away. And, you know, it's not right. Like, it's a bit like a woman's there to raise the kids. Like, my my sister took, has three wonderful boys, and she took up golf two years ago. She's a bank manager, and she's finding time for golf. And, you know, that's, I think, a lot from talking and seeing the experience we went through. Life is short. You know, why do women wait to learn the 50s and 60s to take up the game? Why not take it up? Why not give the kids to the husband two evenings a week and let them go play nine holes or whatever, you know, catch up with the women or put the kids into childcare and go for nine holes and a cup of coffee? Because everyone needs the escape, you know. Like the escape for a lot of women is to clean the house or do something while the kids are asleep. You know, there's no escape. So I think we all need to learn that life is short and sometimes it's experiences in life that teach you that. And it's one experience that we went through that certainly taught me that. And it's... I'm a far better person coming out the other end from experiencing it. And obviously we're realizing how lucky we are to have a daughter because there's no way in the world she should be here, but she is. So it's a miracle and we've learned from it. And definitely if if your listeners have anything to say from this, that's been my one advice to them is look at drawing set up. I think we can all fit work into four day a week. That's another thing. I think this thing of working five, six days a week is ridiculous. I think four days a week, we can all get our appointments in. Don't get me wrong. The, the other three days, I'm not saying I'm not working. The phone is constantly going, and I'm not saying I'm not in the shop because I do pop in, but I'm not on the road. So I'm not under pressure to be here. I have the staff here to cover. I trust my staff. I'm very lucky. I am trained as good as I can. And we're constantly all learning together. So, I mean, I'm always at the end of the phone if they need me, but it doesn't mean I need to be here morning and night, whereas the first 10 12 years in the business it would have been that you know um no, absolutely like we can talk forever about how important it is to have an outlet like i like my wife has two outlets one is her family right so we live up the yeah. country and our family is back in in the west so um she's a, a lot of the time is, is phone calls and face i mean that's her thing and that's uh, that's what i support you know because i'm yeah. incessantly at her you know yeah I'll bring it to the range, you know, go yeah. for your walk. Go. What do you want to do? You know, meet your yeah. friends here or work friends or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she's a big fan of the Chicago's. You know what the Chicago's are? Yeah, yeah. yeah Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire. They're all there. So that, that's yeah, her outlet. Yeah. So I make it, you know, you sit down and watch your Chicago's and I'll, I'll, I'll podcast to edit. I have photos to edit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you can have but it, see that's it i'm not saying you're 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 like i do think a good friend of mine now deals with a lot of people with mental health issues um he's a biologist and he's 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 very well renowned in the health industry but i mean i've had serious chats with him about why have i never struggled with mental health and i have tough days like and i spoke to him about getting away to golf and all that and he said straight out golf is one of the like he said a lot of um a lot of doctors are now prescribing people to take up golf um, because it is an escape. And that's the word it is. It's an escape from reality. It's an escape from family. It's an escape from work and escape from stress. And, you know, like anyone that is struggling with, with stress or mental health, golf is absolutely incredible, you know. Um, and I think if we get, as the golfing world gets that across, like I'm disappointed 
we're not getting that across more, I'll be honest with you. Like I think the PGA and all these organizations need to get that across to the whole world that for people like because we are living in a in a world like we go in the camper van. My dad bought a camper van there not too long ago and we go in it five or six times a year. And it's a bit like, you know, when you go back to the beach and you get this feeling of just relax and the stress leaving your body, you can almost feel it. Like as I sit in behind the wheel of that camper, it's the same feeling. When I go to the golf course, it's that feeling. But I do think like we are meant to be out and about in the open. We are meant to be not stuck in offices, not stuck in routine, you know. And I do, I like the more I think about this four day a week, the more on board I am with it. Like all my staff are on four day a week. I'm on four day a week. I want them coming in. They're on the same salary, but I want them coming in fresher, you know, eager to work and have their three days off, you know. So, like, I do think the sooner that kicks in, I think it's the better for everyone. Like, there's more time for people to catch up with family, more time for people to catch up with their golf and other things, you know. Um, like, I would be more of a fan. I would rather see myself work 10 days a day, 10 hours a day, sorry, um, four days a week than working five, eight hour days, you know. Um, get it in, get the work done. And it's amazing, like, when, when you get people used to being here four days a week, you get the same amount of appointments into the four days you know and i think everyone can do that you know companies can get behind it so um yeah i think i, I think everyone just needs to evaluate their own life and if they are stressed or anything they, they need to seriously consider looking at getting out god for more and getting out even getting to the driving range like you said in the mornings or in the evenings you know rather than sitting down in front of a fire and put on your woody hat your neck warmer your warm layers and get into the driving range hitting balls you know my favorite purchase um, 2020, I got it. A G Tech. Uh, you, you'll probably have them in the shop, or you'll probably get them into the shop. That's the the, the hand warmers. Hand, hand oh warmer. my god! Oh jeez! Yeah. I got it actually. It the winter 2019. Keen Brannigan gave me one, and I bought one a second year after because I I give my one away. Um, every, so COVID, right? Walking. Yeah. We were walking yeah. everywhere, and I was there with me, me G Tech. Oh, it's glorious! And Never then had, had had it on course, whatever else, like that. Had it out there this morning with a, with a cup of coffee, just to be <laughs> doubling it's up. Gas, you see, like I, I played in a, a, a winter series event in Drumoland, um, the Midwest Alliance there a few years back, and I I remember like stupidity. I have a golf shop, so I don't have any excuse. I remember out there, it was freezing cold, lashing rain, open up the bags, right? Harley Anton with me. And I played the whole round and I wouldn't have great circulation in my hands. So for the finish of this round, I literally couldn't close my hands fully. Like I couldn't feel the golf club, basically. So I swore from that moment on, I'm going to have everything in my golf bag. So like I went to Loch Erin last Wednesday, Thursday, and it was horrific, the weather. It wasn't pleasant. You wouldn't even look, look forward to going out in this. I had my fleece lined Adidas pants on, my thermal layers, I had my warm layer over the thermal layer, I had my Gore-Tex waterproof pants and jacket, my neck warmer, and a rain hat that came over the ears and covered the back of neck, pulled everything up. It felt like I was indoors, even though I was outside in the elements. And you know what? There wasn't one part of that four and a half hours I didn't enjoy, and the weather was not nice. So I've learned myself, it's all about being prepared you know, if you have the attire, if you have the neck warmer and the neck warmers are, are a game changer, like your the, the heat is trapped. If you've warm layers on, we used to lose so much. Everyone said about the top of your head. I think most of the heat was actually lost. The body heat was lost from the neck up. 
So these neck warmers have trapped that heat. So I mean, like I I haven't had the issue of the circulation hands for four or five years because I have the gear with me, you know. Um, and I think it's important, you know, for us all to be prepared because the bottom line is you could be in July or it could be in December. You can get you can get any oh, sort yeah. of weather. I, I was wearing a neck warm like a snood right up yeah. until late April this year. Yeah. And there was something I only added to the armory last winter time. And yeah. it just made everything a lot more comfortable. But the key is to have a golf bag and have everything in it all the time. You know, like I even have these sleeves that if you're wearing a T-shirt and it gets chilly, you can just slip up the sleeves up your arms. You know, simple things that they're more for the summertime. But I mean, they don't take up any space. It's as easy to have them there as not to have them there, you know. Meet me, what is the next couple of months like for you in retail and in golf and Black Fridays and Cyber Mondays and so Christmas Black and like Black Fridays, I think, is the biggest con of all times, I'll be honest with you. I mean, God, the margins are gone so tight in our industry. There's very low, like our, our our suppliers don't give stock away. And what annoys me is you'll see products online that were 60 quid all year and all of a sudden they're online 100 quid down to 60. Like, and I don't think it like, your golf consumer now isn't spending early in November because they're waiting for Black Friday. But the reality is Black Friday, you're getting it. We have the same deals in store now as we have Black Friday. In fact, the whole month of October, November is our cheapest when you buy cheapest from us, even into Christmas, because all the products are about change next year. So we have everything reduced. Like we have GPS watches there at 129, 149 and all those prices when they were up at 229 and 199 earlier in the year. So... The, the deals right now are as good as the deals you get in any Black Friday. We don't do anything exceptional for Black Friday. I have the same prices here now because my margins are so tight. Unless I'm giving away a cost price, which I'm not willing to do because it just means I'm reordering it to sell it again. So unless your cash flow is ridiculously tight, you shouldn't have to do that. So that's the one thing I'd say about Black Friday. I think like a lot of the Black Friday deals I see are pure cod because they're not any lower than they were early in, in November, they just put hike the real recommend the retail price. Yeah, to anyone, show anyone who's anyone, anyone who's marking something to purchase knows, <laughs> knows that. But I can tell you now as a retailer, I'm Mary in the industry, coming in buying for I'm, her son. I'm here 18 years. Our margins are tighter than they ever were. Prices are going up. They're going up again next year. Um, that's why I bought so much stock this year because prices are going up another 15% next year. And there's no way around it. Like these fuel costs and everything, there's a knock on effect to everything. You can imagine a factory in China to, to operate that factory is now 30, 40%, maybe 50% more than it was in the past. Labor costs are going up the whole time. So all these manufacturers' costs are going up, so the prices are going up, and it's all going to be relative. So I, my advice to people is, like, electric trolleys are going to go up by 150 euros cost to us as retailers. So that's it's going to, like, we'll probably take the hit. They'll probably go up by 150 euros, but they're going up by 150 to us from, from all accounts with the price list I'm looking at. So... My advice to anyone, anyone waiting for these Black Friday deals or anyone waiting until next year, I'd be jumping on the bandwagon this year and getting sales. If you're looking at electric trolley this year's year, because as soon as my stocks, like I had 85 trolleys in stock, now I'm down to maybe 45. But as soon as those 45 are gone, the next batch of trolleys I have, I'm paying 20% more. I'm paying 150 or more per trolley. So I'm like, and you will see a variation if people have old stock left versus buying a new stock, you're going to see a variation in prices. But if someone buys in a new product and it costs 150 quid more, you can't compete with last year's price, you know. 
Um, I can I can coach, and I'm seeing it like in in my line of work or whatever, yeah. right? Is 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 exactly the same, you know. In that you know people don't see it or maybe don't know about it, but like China's and areas of China manufacturing, they're still going through lockdowns, you know. Oh. They're still being closer periods of the year, so yeah. stuff just isn't available. And you combine that with a certain small Russian man in bed in a slightly larger country in Europe, and that's affecting yeah. you know that's that's the cost of living crisis we're all kind of going through. Yeah. Um, we'll bring it back down now to maybe <clears throat> Christmas is coming. What do you want for Christmas? Do you know what? That's a simple question. I want my family to be healthy. That's all I need. Do you know, I'm I'm the one thing I do for Christmas, I shop local. I don't go anywhere else. I don't go online and never go online. I would pay and I know I'm unique. I would pay 300 quid for something before I spend 250 online. Now, if it's an online local store, that's different. But I don't give it to the mass companies, the Under Armors and the, the Adidas Direct. I go to the local shops and support because their bottom line is they're they're support. They're hiring my friends and family. They're hiring, you know, if, if we keep our local economies going and support locally, you know, because I can tell you now you're going to see a huge change in retail in the next year. I'm predicting 25 minimum percent of businesses are going to close in the next six months to a year. Um, I'm lucky I can batten down the hatches and, and I own my building and I can get my overheads down when I need to, if the worst comes to worst. And I do see it coming like there's going to be an off hit, but a lot of coffee shops, retail shops, pop-up shops, a lot of them are going to hang on to Christmas, but they're going to just hand the keys back to landlords. I can just see it happen. There's just the cost and it's governments. Like governments are taxing us too much. 23% of everything goes through my till has gone to the government and I get nothing for that. And then with the scraps and left over, I have to pay wages, I have to pay tax, further taxes on those wages, I have to pay management fees, I have to pay local um, council fees, I have to pay rates, I have to pay all of these taxes. So when I look back and look at my figures, it's very easy to understand why it's hard to get ahead. We're way too high taxed in this country and we're not getting, and then the tax money they're getting, they're squandering it on silly stuff. You know, like it's like the local council take rates off us and then spend it on a market over a million. I think it's one point six million on a market that was never used. It ended up being a car park. No, eight car cars. And now, now eight cars go in there. It's on absolutely. Daily. And, on, and on a floor that to, was polished. The floor they, that was polished four or five times, costing a grand a day. Yeah, <laughs> oh, through the roof. I heard a figure of roof six hundred thousand. And I mean, it's the reason they're spending that money is they have to spend it to recharge us. But I mean, there's no thing about cutting back. It's all about charge, charge, charge. I mean, we're getting crucified in every corner. And I can see that. And I can see, like, I know two food outlets who got bills recently, electricity, five and a half thousand was one of them for two months. And the other one was 7,200 for two months. There's no business can sustain that. And they have eight staff. One of those places has eight staff out front and they have four staff in the kitchen so that's 12 staff to keep going and you have a 7200 electricity bill for two months and um, that they can't afford they have to pay that over installments but the problem is in two months time they have another 7200 so i mean that's on all catch up and like my rate here in the building has tripled i was on 16 cent a kilowatt now i'm on 49 cent a kilowatt so that's over three times the the price um, so it's it's just I mean the governments need to they need to stop spending and squandering the money that we have first of all and they need to lower tax rates and they need to start helping businesses 
And if they don't, it's quite obviously they don't want businesses to survive. They just want to deal with corporations. They want small businesses to go. So they're just dealing with the bigger guy. If they're not looking yeah, after some, small something businesses. Something I always support, something I especially, well, all year round and especially coming into, I suppose, the next couple of months, when things like the cybers and the Black Fridays are around is to shop local. I think COVID taught everybody the importance and kind of discovered their community. Yeah. And, and you know, walking into like Swans here in Nace or Bad Habits Coffee Shop or Poor Pizza or whoever. Like I know the people now. So like yeah. I, I won't order Domino's. I'll order uh Poor Pizza because I know I, I know the folks that are running it now. And I think like I I would always support it when I go home, like your shop or O'Donnell's, I always try and pop into O'Donnell's and buy something from Claire. You know? See, the, the um, bottom line is, Zipari, the, the, the corporations are based in San Francisco, they're based in New York. These are billionaires and local people are going to them to save a fiver. Why not go to your local shop and say, listen, I can get off this corporation fiver cheaper. You know, I had a woman in my shop recently like who spent 40 minutes of my time with her son, tried on all the shoes we had and eventually asked me to leave her for a moment um, she was going to chat to the son. I left her and I clearly heard her saying, I'm going to get him here online for you. And when I walked down to them, she was on the Under Armour website direct. So I just explained to her, I said, listen, you know, you've taken 40 minutes of my time. And normally in the past, I would have said nothing, but I, I just had to make my point. I said, and the son ran out of the shop when I confronted her. So it's obviously something she does. I just explained to her, I'm a small business trying to feed a family. I said, I'll do the, I, I actually gave her a price of 100 quid on these shoes that are 119 and they're on the Under Armour site um, at, at 100 as well. And she like she just was, was willing to go and spend my time and buy them online. And she just turned to me and said, oh, you've had a bad day, have you? And I said, actually, I, I haven't. I've seen bad days in my life and this certainly isn't one of them. And she was like, accused me of having a bad day when she like designedly came into my shop to buy the product online. She was just coming in to try on the product to see she made sure she got the right size. She had her mind made up. She was getting them off this website. So that's the kind of stuff. And the, what people don't realize is they keep doing that. The likes of shops like mine will be gone in the future. And then life gets very boring because the only shop in retail you can do is online. You know, and at the end of the day, we're kind of lucky, I suppose, in a way, custom fitting means you have to, like, you do have to get fitted for a club if you're going to get the right club. Now, from my experience, you know, I can talk to a lot of people and once they you, they know how far they hit a seven iron or three wood and what kind of shape, I can advise what kind of club would suit them. But like for the serious golfers who want to get the best out of the game, custom fitting is crucial. So it means, you know, you won't generally just go online and buy a club, you know, although people do. But I can see now, especially with people who buy secondhand clubs, I'll, I'll make a statement here now. If you buy a secondhand club online, you probably have less than a 5% chance of that club suiting you, you know, versus getting fitted. Oh, I'd, I'd agree. And, and I say anyone, anyone who has... As long as you don't have a two-way miss, I would always yeah. say get get custom fit. You know, like yeah. I would say, if you're off twenty-four, don't be afraid of getting custom fit. Well, I'll be honest with no. you, Parik, the, the two-way miss is generally down because the club, is, the person is using the club, the weight isn't right for them. Probably Either the club right. is too heavy or too light. You know. Yeah, I I, I just mean like to get the most out of a cut. Like, don't be afraid to go in if you're twenty-four or twenty-eight. Go in, get custom fit. Um, yeah. so if if anything, for a bit of education as well in terms of how clubs yeah. work and that. Come here to me before I hit record. We were had a quick mention about Dromoland, and you've been Dromoland since how old? I joined Dromoland in 1990. 
So I was 10 years of age, gives away my age a bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, so 32 years ago, I joined Ramoland. Um, I was playing pitch and foot at the age of six in a place called Ballykilty Manor. It was, um, it was a manor house in the countryside just outside Quinn, and I used to go down there and I got down to plus handicap playing the pitch and putt, and it's gas, like pitch and putt was my life, and I remember playing the first game of golf, and it was like almost getting this new drug that was bigger and better. Um, and it's amazing how we went from playing probably 10 pitch and put rounds a week to none. To just yeah. playing. I remember, but I remember it's, it's first... gas the amount of people. Gas the amount of people selling pitch and put. Paul McBride, Gavin Minahan, all these boys now are, are trying to make it on tour all start playing pitch and put. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is. And I actually say it to um, a lot of people who, you know, they have seven, eight-year-old kids that are waiting until they're 10 or 11 to get into a golf club because a lot of places won't take you till maybe 10 or 12 which is a pity really i think there needs to be something there to i take think a lot of clubs are looking at that i think a lot of yeah i think they need so to because like there's a lot of talent out there you see rory mcrae three years of three years of age the talent yet you know when he got to six i'm sure he got to play golf courses so i mean absolutely and there's nothing and tiger like, <laughs> yeah exactly but it, listen i have two girls myself i can guarantee you by the time they're six they're going to be hitting golf balls so um whether they like it or not <laughs> um but uh but no i do think clubs de- do need to look at even make them a member of the driving range section or just do something um i think it's important too that the game gives back to the youth you know yeah, absolutely that's future. happening in places that's happening in places already like um like Tralee, for example have an academy membership yeah first. the bottom line is the future of the sport is, is the kids and if you start with the kids it, we, golf has a great future ahead of it but like I was attached to a golf club years ago and the one of the reason I left it was the senior part of the club hated to see kids on the golf course and he was driving me demented and they'd be coming in complaining to me and I'm saying hold on a second now they have every bit of the right to be out there as you and I know you think you own the golf club but this is a business at the end of the day like it or lump it this is part of the future of this business and you know it's kind of frustrating to see that because you have to remind people, you know, you once, although you might forget it, you were their age one time. You know, you mightn't have had this opportunity, but you know what? Why take it away from the future, you know, of, of the kids that are there now? So I think it's important that clubs do come up with between six and 12 in particular summer camps and different things um, and allow them even one day a week or an evening or especially in the summertime. Like it's so bright. It's bright enough to 11 o'clock at night. I'm not saying kids will be out at 11, but I'm just saying, the, the adults can play later. Let the kids go out early in the morning, you know, give them a, a slot for an hour or half an hour or whatever um, and introduce them to the game. And and again, you don't need 18 holes, two holes, three holes, just to say they were on the golf course because it will take them an hour to play maybe two holes anyway, you know. Um, but you have, I have to hand it to the clubs in Clare. Like, there is great setups in the clubs in Clare and it's only when... You look at the likes of Aideen Walsh and different um, Anya Donegan and different girls coming through um, and guys, I, I have to say credit to Brendan McGill with the, the junior Clare golf and all the junior officers in, in the clubs over the years, like the Eugene Logues and Shannon and um, the Mick Foley's and Jamal and the Mark Grinnells and all these guys. They're a credit to the um, Kevin Glenn as well and the Hinch. You know, they do a lot for junior golf and I think these guys have to be uh, recommended for for the work they've done, you know, and it's it's thankless work. Like I've been involved with it over the years, um, and it is kind of a bit like child mining at the end of the day. But 
you are you can see the enjoyment the kids get out of it and get out you know with a group of kids or you talk to them there together the fun they have you know um so you know it is great like i think claire is definitely ahead of a lot of counties um for the junior setups that we do have you know no we're we're definitely talking the same language so Mm. to summarize our conversation if we can if we were to leave insert let's leave insert synopsis here uh golf shops are mental Uh, or running them can be mental and drivers have mental which is why golf is important for your mental health yeah. and um and the, and you know command command on uh on keep the language alive we need to keep the keep golf alive and uh and support the junior golfers along the way uh the most important questions though Paul, are, are these ones and there's a quick for a q a and um, are you ready i was born ready kid <laughs> uh, um, How's Cahill, by the way? He was home recently, wasn't he? Cahill was home. we first time seeing him in nearly five and a half years. Um, Cahill is on a, on a different... Did it take him that long to drive to, to, to grow the beard? Yeah, that's a... We keep calling him Shane Lowry nowadays. He's, he's, <laughs> you see Shane behind me there. He's, he's the head off of Shane with the beard. Um, but yeah, it, is a, it takes a bit of getting used to it, but I think we're kind of getting used to it now. Yeah. Um, it is quite the beard. But I know he's fine. He opened his own company two years ago and he's he's booming like the, the industry over. And now I have to take my hand off, off to, my hat off to Carl because like I, I would consider myself I grafted hard over the years to get to where I have to. But he like was in the mines for a couple of years, like which was like prison, uh, worked his arse off to get to where he's at. So you have to take that off to him. He, he went out to Australia. There was nothing here for him. He was in London two years before that, and he had a very tough two years in London just trying to survive. Went out to Australia, didn't go out with much. And uh, he, where he's got to today is just incredible, incredible. Like, he's got 26 or eight staff working for him now, like himself and his business partner. So you have to just, you know what, hard work and graft and believe in yourself and and being honest with people. And, you know, like he doesn't take on work that he can't, you know, achieve you know, if he doesn't have the, the manpower to do it, he won't take it on just because the money's there. And I think you have to, it's honesty, you know, be honest with people, be upfront to people, give them a, the best price. And, you know, if you can work with them, you can work with them. If you can't, you can't, you know. That's you're, very like, you're very like the two of you, believe it or not, uh, in, the, yeah. in those regards, in those regards. Right. Mm-hmm. Quick for a Q&A. What would your walk on song be, Park? Oh, my God. Um, well, I did a charity boxing gig um, one time. And uh, God help the fella. God help the fella coming and, up against uh, you in a charity the, box. The, the bloody funny part of it was I ended up fighting the trainer who was three times Welsh champion, um, which I wasn't happy about because I was going so well in training. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And then to find out two weeks before the event, I had to fight uh, an ex-pro who was three times Welsh champion. But uh, I learned a lot about, um, do you know what? I learned a lot about respect for people and also how to I suppose if you did ever come into any difficulty at least you can hold your own you know and you learn a few skills that I think are invaluable for everyone to have um, but Thunder was my the, the walk-in song um, uh, can't remember, but, uh, but yeah that's kind of one of my uh, probably it's the ACDC Thunderstruck is it yeah Oh, I got you. I got um, you. That's a good one. That's on my daily. That's on my gym playlist. That's yeah, on the, the yeah. graph. That's one. Playlist. That's one that gets your, you know, when you're 
you're getting ready for something you want to get yourself geared up good a bit to that one that's, that's a good, a, that's one, a good yeah. one i wonder the claire harder if it's to that one in the best one before going up mm, possibly they should maybe 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 we can introduce should. that <laughs> um next one jim or pizza jim hat visor or a bucket hat bucket hat i know massive one you're into like the massive like South African bucket hats. You know what? If it's well, uh, I I lost the top of my ear two years ago on toilet secondary cancer. So when you're told, you sit down in front of a doctor and he tells you that you take it serious. So when people say, "Oh, it's too gaudy," I couldn't care less. As long as I couldn't I care it. less. Couldn't and care and less. this was the first year. This was the first year I actually put sunscreen mm. on every time I went out, whether it was sunny or not. But I yeah. tell you now, I I always put sunscreen on, not not as a kid, but as I get older in life. But you actually, I always forgot the tops of my ears. You know, you don't. You have the hat on, so you think, oh, but you forget your ears are exposed. Um, and I just I have a lot of time. Mm. I have a lot of time for the bucket hat these days. Covers yeah. everything. But it's even better in the rain because you feel like you're indoors. Exactly. <laughs> uh, do you prefer to walk when playing golf or cart? Walk. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup. Happy Gilmore. Win the Open or win the Masters? Ooh, can we go for both? <laughs> I'd say the Open. Win the Open or win the Masters? The Open. I'd say the Open, yeah. Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Instagram. Play or practice? Play. Where? Easy one. Where? Uh, Dare Manor. Good language. Jamal and Castle. The hinge. A1. Doing A1. The Anywhere, says you. Anywhere, Anywhere with tea boxes and greens and bits in Anywhere. between. Do you know what? I'll, I'll say this to you before we, before we wrap up. Um, always remember when you're going to go out in the piss and rain, there's someone somewhere in a hospital bed who'd love to be going out there with you. That's the one thing I always remember about Temple Street. I always think about the parents in there with the kids in hospital beds and stuff, and we worry about a bit of rain or a bit of cold weather. Get your woodies on, get your rain gear on, get the hell out there and stop using excuses. No, absolutely. I read it a long time ago in Harvey Pennick's book, and I, I think it relates to injury or sickness, or um, it was Ben Crenshaw at the time, I think, because Harvey Pennick was his coach. And Ben Crenshaw was going, oh, I have to go do this. And Harvey Pennick was like, no, 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 you get to go do this. So change yeah. that. Yeah. So ever since, and I read that when I was maybe 16. Yeah. And ever since, I like, well, I... You don't have to go play tomorrow. I get to go play. Yeah. Um, and I like that with any weather. Importantly, it's, it's that you want to go, you know. And if you don't want to go, if you genuinely the inside don't want to go, then don't go. You know, do what makes you happy. There's no point in doing something that doesn't make you happy. But don't use weather as an excuse, you know. Get out there. <laughs> Never did. Never did. If you're from the west of Ireland, you definitely don't use weather as an right. excuse. Um, unless you're minding that handicap for the captain's prize. Yeah. Um, Final question. You're after a day, we'll say bumper day on the golf course in a dare manner. We won't say anything about business. Business yeah. going grand. You're after bumper day in a dare manner. All the kids are happy. Flying is at home uh, and you're planning dinner that evening and you can have whoever you want at the dinner. Six people, three people down the left, three people down the right. Who makes the cut at Porter McGrath's candlelit dinner? Um, well, funny enough, I, I often thought about, uh, you know, people say the, the Tiger Woods and all these people. The people that I enjoy most of my time, like I have two close friends of mine, members in Adair, um, Robert and Rudy and John Hickey, and I have Farmer Nicholas, I have business lads, Gareth McGuinness and those. I'm as happy playing with those guys as I am playing with any Tiger Woods or Roy McIlroy's or, do you know what? I, I, I admire all the Irish golfers and I love a game with them one day. 
of the J.P. McManuses and these kind of gentlemen are the guys I'd love to sit down and have dinner with and learn from. I learn, I surround myself with people who are better in life than I am because I want to learn from these people. I want, and it's it's not just I want to learn from them, you know, like the people I surround myself are the most generous people that I know. And I want to be one day and maybe not as successful as they are, but as successful as I can be, but have their generosity. You know, I saw a video recently um, about Joe Rogan put up, you know, people who make money in this life, you don't become a prick. You know, you were always a prick. You just became a bigger prick because you were more money. And it's Absolutely. the same with people who have money. They actually become a more generous person. And I have to say, I'm very, very lucky um, with the friends I have, and I wouldn't change those friends. So if I was having dinner, it'd be those people I'd have sitting around me, the friends I already have. They won't. They won't borrow. Well, thank you very much for your Probably time. Probably not the answer you're looking for now, but that's uh, the truth. Look at No, the truth is the answer I'm looking for. It doesn't matter about the heads yeah. of the people. The truth is what I'm looking for. Thanks for your time. The insight into how running a golf shop is mental. Um, into the family, into the times you've been through, your your thoughts on what junior golf should be and how golf should be. And we'll tee it up real soon. And that's a promise. I would Please love start. that. I would love that. Take it Thanks easy. For, Thanks, Thanks for thinking of me. Not at all. We'll talk to you soon. Porter McGrath there, everyone, owner of PM Golf. He's there with his dad. He's there with all his staff. He's there to help you do this Christmas. We recorded this obviously the week before Black Friday. But it kind of gives you an idea of you know the world of um, you know, running a retail shop, he's an independent, he's there a long time, long time, uh, he knows his business, he'll do his best for you, uh, I get along great with him, I've never played golf with him, I carried for him in three years and years and years and years and years ago, probably doesn't even remember that, I'll never forget the bucket hat he wore that day, it was like one of those big sombre- Zambreros, almost, it was, it was that big, but um, a great guy, if you're supporting local business this Christmas, you still have a couple of days to pop into Ennis and pop into PM and grab something small for the, the stocking or grab something massive for under the trees. He has some of those trolleys left. And he also has a couple of those limited edition, special edition master's bags. I think he's one from Callaway down the back of the shop. So yeah, if you want to get something really special, that's my pick from back in the shop in, in Paulie's place uh, thank you all for listening I hope you enjoyed this week's episode I hope you're looking forward to the Wrapped series as much as I am I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who picked up a Golfing Ireland 2023 calendar we sold out um, which I thought I'd be left with calendars uh, <laughs> for a couple of calendars to hang up in my own house I haven't I don't even have one for myself so thank you all for your support. A couple of people snagged up some hats and visors as well. The artist books are gone. So um, there is a couple of hats left. Can't guarantee we'll have them in time for Christmas, but um, literally a handful. I'm looking at them here on the shelf. And yeah, there's like six visors, uh, two or three of the medium books. So great for the kids or if you have a smaller head. I have a massive head and I'd stick it away at a medium. Um, and yeah, they're there. So head over to paddytalksgolf.com to the pro shop rep the step grab some swag but yeah I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas uh, our next episodes will be the rap series that will go out from Stevens Day or Boxing Day uh, if you're that way inclined right through to the new year um, some really good conversations had and catch ups and, and learnings as well there's some as you'd know and even from this outro uh, there's fierce tangents in the conversations you have with me so yeah 
If you like this episode, please do share it with a family and with friends in the WhatsApp groups as you all do so great. Thank you all very much. Thank you to Forgot Custom for their continued support. Some great things coming in 2023, folks. You're going to love it. All right. I love you and Livy. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy. <laughs>